Great job. Thank you so much, Kelly. That was awesome. What's happening, everybody? Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Today's a double water day. Hopefully, I'll drink it all. I'm just trying to remember, but welcome. It's good to see you guys. Glad you guys made it. We love you. We love you. We love you guys. We love you. We love you guys. I'm so glad you guys are here. We love you, and welcome. Yay. We love that you're here. Let me tell you what we love to do here as a DV family. We love to create environments where desire for following and growing in a relationship with God is discovered, explored, it's growing, it's developing and growing. We love to create environments, spaces like this, where desire for God is, is, is nurtured, it's celebrated, it's attractive, so that we can all invite others to come. Who are those others? Our neighbors, our family members, our co-workers, right? Our, our friends, we can invite them. This is a safe place where they can feel valued and they can feel like they belong. And we love to create tools for us to grow and develop in our relationships with God. And one of the ways we do that is with our small groups. And I've been hearing really good things. They kicked off this past week, and I know we had a small group on Friday, and that was really good. We had a small group yesterday, and I heard really good stuff about that. And so this is a tool that we love to provide to all of us here as a church so that we can build that community, as, as Kelly was mentioning earlier. And we have Next Steps as well, which is another great opportunity for people to grow. And, and if you're here and you don't have plans and you or like, oh, I didn't know about it. You can jump in and be a part of our, our group. We would love for you to be a part of that. But we love to create these tools to help other people who are followers of Jesus grow in their relationship with Jesus, become followers of Jesus, or other followers of Jesus help other followers of Jesus grow, followers of Jesus grow. We call that disciple-making disciples. And so we love to do that as well. And so, in case you're new, we've been in a series that we're calling Skills. Skills. And the reason we're calling it Skills is because we have just realized that we need a certain type of skills to deal with certain type of people. And we've been going throughout this month of this series, this month in this series, um, talking about different types of people. And that's what we're going to do today is talk about a different type of people and how we deal with that. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open them up to the book of Proverbs chapter 15. If you have a physical Bible, if you have, we have, uh, don't have a physical Bible, we have everything available on digital form. And so you can, if you have your electronic, your tablet, you can actually pull that out and track along with us all of our message notes and all of our, um, the title of our message. Do you mind hitting stop on that for a second? I'm, I'm not quite ready. But yeah, I'm going to show you guys exactly how we do that. But we actually have an instructional video coming up on the big screen or that's already up on the big screen behind me that'll show you how to do it. But yeah, everything you can find, it's available thanks to our awesome Renee back there who helped us put everything up. Our, our what, what do we call you? Like our sound production? I don't know. IT, what, yeah, just everything, Renee, thank you so much, he, he put it all up on the, on the U version, so all you have to do is, if you don't have, can you rewind it for a second and go back to the beginning, if you have the um, U version Bible app, and that app looks like, I don't know if you can rewind it, but can't rewind it, oh, it's up here, okay, it looks like that on the bottom right or on the top left, 
all right? And then once you got that, then you click on it and a screen will come up and the screen that'll come up looks like this and then there's a, a thing at the bottom right where it says more. I don't know if you guys can see that. You click on that, more, and then another page will show up with like a handy dandy map and then under it will be a bunch of different churches and ours will be at the top because we're at the top, and then you can click on that, and then all of uh, the message notes and everything will be right there. And so we're on this message called Skills, and, um, and uh, it's, it's going to be a good time together today. So um, today, I, I just want to ask you guys a question. Um, the, the, the question is, how many of you deal with people who are critics, nitpicky people? Anybody deal with, raise, raise your hands if you deal with people who all the time. You deal with, maybe sometimes, maybe all the time you deal, put your hands up if you deal with critical people, nitpicky people all the time. Okay, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. Some of your hands went up really high, really fast, okay? That's great. Now, you may be here, you'd be like, well, why does Pastor Abdi, throughout this series, he's been asking people to raise their hand every single time in this series and put, the, I can't wait till he gets to another series and he stops asking people to raise their hands and put their hands down. If that is you, guess what? This message is for you. <laughs> We're going to help you out. So I want to talk about how you deal with nitpicky and people who are always critical. Um, and so this is an issue that can be profoundly sensitive for many of us. And you know, the Bible is actually chock full of examples. From the beginning of time, there has existed critical people, nitpicky people. And I just want to give you a couple of those examples. If you ever got married to someone that your family didn't really like, guess what? You're in good company with Moses from the Bible. Moses had his brother and sister who didn't like the person he married. Moses' brother was Aaron and his sister was Miriam. And they criticized Moses because he married a Cushite woman. And so, yeah, there you go. In th another example in the New Testament, Paul, the apostle. Paul, the apostle, he was criticized over and over again. He was criticized. If you read his writings, you'll see it where he was criticized. Evidently, Paul uh, was not an eloquent speaker, right? He wasn't an eloquent speaker, and so he was criticized. You can see in his writings how he's always being defensive about, well, I may not be an eloquent speaker. You can see this over and over again in his writing. And by the way, he wrote a lot of the New Testament, and you see it over and over again. I may not be an eloquent speaker, but at least I preach the gospel. That's what he would say, you know? But he would be, you know, we, we don't know if he was an eloquent speaker or if he wasn't. What we do know is that he knew how to go on and on and on. Uh, there's actually a story in the book of Acts chapter 20 where Paul is, is speaking and there's a young man there by the name of Eutychus who was hanging out hearing Paul speak and he got, I guess he got really tired, Eutychus, and so he decided to sit by a window. So he sat on a window as Paul kept going and he kept going on and on and I guess Eutychus was bored and he fell asleep. And it, Paul just kept speaking, and the guy fell asleep on the windowsill. He actually fell out the window. It must have been like a couple stories because they were high. He fell to the floor and died as Paul is speaking. 
So much so that Paul stopped what he was doing, went down the flights of wherever, flights of stairs, and finds Eutychus on the ground, and he prays for him, brings him back to life, brings him up the stairs, sits him down, and Paul keeps going, the scripture says, throughout the night. They didn't stop him. Now, I just have to say, you may be here, you may not like my preaching or my speaking, but I have to say, I, I don't think yet I have ever had somebody maybe fall asleep, yes, but not fall out of a window and die, to my knowledge, not yet. But even Jesus, you guys, even Jesus, this, who was perfect in every way, was criticized. He was criticized by the Pharisees. He was criticized by the Roman soldiers. I mean, he was just, you know, if even G, he was criticized because he healed on the Sabbath. He was, he was criticized because he ate with sinners. And on and on and on, he was criticized. And you know, something that I've been learning is that no matter who you are, you're going to be criticized. You just are. You're going to be criticized. I, I, I can tell you examples, in, you know, in my life where I have been criticized. And, and you know, for years, I, I remember um, growing up. Well, actually, I'll tell you, I, I feel like I'm a magnet for criticism. My, my wife and I, our family, is a magnet for criticism. People have criticized us. Oh, you only have two boys. What, what's wrong with you? When are you going to get la nena? That's Puerto Rican for the girl. When are you going to get la nena? What's wrong with you? How come you're not going to go for the girl? And I'm like, we're, we're, no, we're not going for the girl. I get criticized for the education, the way I educate our kids, the, the, our philosophy of education. We, we've gotten criticized. I remember growing up, I got criticized uh, because I was too skinny. I was criticized for, I think Jerry and I could probably relate to this, getting criticized because we were too skinny. We were always too skinny. And you know, in the Latin culture, it's not a good thing. If you're too skinny, you get, you're too skinny. Your mom's not feeding you. Now that I'm married, your wife's not feeding you, right? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You're too skinny. I remember getting, as I was growing up, uh, I, I got criticized because of the complexion of my skin. I'll just show you guys the complexion of my skin. In, in the Latin culture, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't the, quite the right shade to be called Latin, right? This is the complexion of my, you're not, you're not brown enough. Don't you ever say you're brown and proud. You're not brown enough. Man, you're not, you're, you're not Latin. They would say, you're not Latin. You're, you're like off-white. You're off-white. Don't even call yourself, you know, uh, brown. Don't even, you're, in the Latin culture, you're not, you're not Latin. I remember I grew up in the inner city. And so in the inner city, I was criticized because of the way I dressed and the way I spoke. You don't, you, you don't talk or whenever I, uh, you know, you don't talk, you don't dress like the rest of us. And then when I would go out to the sticks and the suburbs and the country, they would be like, you talk too city-like and you dress too city-like. And, you know, I was criticized if I did and I was criticized if I did. I just learned, you know, I'm going to get criticized. Is this part of it? I am going to be criticized. And so how do we deal with people who are critical? You know, maybe you're here today and you get criticized. You get criticized for um, maybe friends of yours. They criticize you for the way, you know, the way you spend your money or the way you don't spend. Maybe family members criticize you for the way you don't spend your money or the way, you know, you, you treat your kids, the, well, you know, the, the way you, you, you raise your kids. You know, you get criticized for that. You know, um, maybe people who are followers of Jesus, they criticize you. Followers of Jesus criticizing other followers of Jesus. What? 
How, you know, you, 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 you read out of your electronic? You don't use the physical Bible? What's wrong with you? How come you don't use the physical Bible? That's not the Bible, you know? That version you read, that's not the Bible. What are you doing reading that kind of version? You get criticized from people who are, who are followers of Jesus, right? You, you, you get criticized. One thing I'm learning is that women who have careers, they can't win. Women who have kids and have careers cannot win. Women who have kids and have careers and they work inside of the house, they get criticized by people who don't. Like, also, you don't do anything all day, right? Or the women who have careers who work outside of the house, they get criticized. Oh, you don't care about your kids. You don't love your kids. You don't spend any time with your kids. So they, they can't win. You, you get criticized for the, if they do, they get criticized if they don't. And, and so I'm learning this. I'm learning. How, how do we deal with critical people? You know, it could be, unfortunately, some of us, we have our marriages that have people who are critical of us, right? I don't like the way you eat. I don't like the way you, you are around company. I don't like the way what you, your words you use. You just sit around all day, and you just stay with that remote, or you're on your electronic all day. You never do anything, right? Or they go on, and they start criticizing. All you do is, you know, you look like you're eating well these days, Those jeans look a little bit tighter. Are, are we gaining a little weight? You know, they get cr you get critical about about weight. They get critical about things. Oh, what's wrong with you? You know, and so you get you get criticized even by people that you love. That's when it really rips your heart out, though. You get critical when when people who who you love you hang out with they criticize you. It just rips your heart out. So how how do we deal with this? You guys might might say. I want to talk to you guys today about how do you deal with critical people. Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you've been a follower of Jesus for a while and you're single and you may get criticized because you're single. Oh, what's wrong with you? You don't have enough faith. You're, you're still single? Well, listen, all you have to do is have the faith that I have. If you just had the faith that I have, you would be married. And you know, if you're single, you're like quiet. You don't say anything. You just zip up your mouth. But in your mind, you're thinking... I don't want the kind of faith you have because I know the person you're married to and I don't like that person and you don't like that person. So I don't want that kind of faith. Thank you, you know? But you would never say that because you're way too godly for that, right? But in your mind, you're thinking for those folks who are single. Um, I know some of you here may hear it. Oh, you go to that church. You still go to that church? I remember when I was going there, The Holy Spirit would just move. It was such a good, but now eh, there's a new pastor there. I don't know, he's not the same. It's not the same. You get criticized for the church you go to. It happens. It happens. Believe me, I hear it, all right? And so what I'm learning about criticism on and on and on is that it, is that it, it hurts, especially from people that you love, people that you like to hang out with. But before we unpack how do you deal with unjust criticism, I think it would be vital for us to talk about constructive criticism because constructive criticism we all need in our lives and so you guys have your bibles in the book of proverbs chapter 15 we're going to look a little bit at how you deal with constructive criticism because there are people who love you and care about us that they want to speak the truth to you in love actually we talked about this last sunday And so it, if, if I was writing, putting together my notes this week, and, and I thought, you know, before I talk about how to deal with unjust criticism, let's talk about how you deal with constructive criticism. So I wrote this thought that may help you this week. By the way, you could take notes on this card that's here. 
Um, it's in the seat pocket in front of you, and there's actually a, a pen you can pull out, and you can track along with us and write down anything. This would be one of those things you may want to write down. You don't have to, but you may want to write down. Never underestimate the value of constructive criticism. Say it again. Never underestimate the value of constructive criticism. I don't want to brush over it without treating constructive criticism for a moment because scripture in Proverbs 15, 31 and 32, I would love for you guys to help me out if you would. What does it say? It says, if you listen to what? Say it aloud. If you listen to, no, nobody's, nobody's listening? It, it, okay, let's try it again on the count of three, <laughs> all right? <laughs> okay, before we go there, let me just say, um, you sat in your chair today and you might have sat on one of these. This is what's coming up next week. This is our gift to you to give away to someone else and invite them to our new series we're kicking off next week that's called Don't Stop Believing. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have a great time together the next four weeks. So, hey, this is a card. On the back of that card gives you a little more about what this Don't Stop Believing is all about. It actually has our website and our times and everything. So you could actually give this away to somebody. Say, come to our church. I'll pick you up. Come. All right? So, okay, now we got Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. Let's read it together. If you listen to what? If you listen to destructive criticism. Very good. Where will you live? The Bible says you will live, you will be at home. <laughs> you will be at home among the wise. You are so wise if you listen to constructive criticism. But it says if you reject this type of criticism, what do you do to yourself? The Bible says what? You only harm yourself. One of the most valuable things that you can do as a leader, one of the most valuable things that you can do as a, as a parent, one of, one of the most valuable things that you can do as a follower of Jesus, as a student, as an employee, is crave helpful feedback and listen to constructive criticism. In fact, after I speak on Sundays, I have a group of people who talk to me, and they give me critiques about what I share. Well, you know, Pastor Abdi, or one of them actually says to me, you know, honey, and I'll talk more about the honey one a little in a, in a few minutes, but they'll say, hey, you know when you, when you, um, when you made that joke? It wasn't funny. <laughs> Give it up. Don't say that again. Or, you know, when you said this and this and this and you talked about your life, you overshared. Don't share that much next time. You don't need to go there, you know? And so I, I, I love it. I love it. And it's important, so important. It's so valuable. And I'm telling you, it's so important in your marriage. That's the honey part. When your spouse who loves you offers you loving and constructive feedback. Or when your boss or when your coworker or when your kids, mom, why are you always yelling at me all the time? Maybe it's because you are yelling at them all the time. And until they tell you, you don't realize it. And then you find out how valuable constructive feedback, it can be life-changing when you're like, oh, maybe I am yelling at you all the time. I'm sorry. And so today and the rest of our time together, I want to talk about unjust criticism. But it would be totally inappropriate for me to admit the value of constructive criticism, okay? So let's do this. Let's talk about three different prayers that we can pray to help us deal with folks, the skills, three different prayers gonna, that we can develop the skill to deal with critical people, okay? So number one, if you're taking notes, 
And I think it's especially true, this subject of dealing with unjust criticism, you know, is that we, we don't want to just react, right? We want to be prayerful. That's why I'm sharing three different prayers, because we want to be prayerful when we deal with unjust criticism, okay? So the first, first prayer, if you're taking notes, and I would challenge you to pray, as you're dealing with unjust criticism is, God, help me to know when to respond to unjust criticism. God, help me to know when to respond to unjust criticism. Notice I didn't say when to react. I said when to respond. There's a difference, right? When we respond, it's different than when we react, okay? And I just want to encourage you, you know, when you get criticize, do not react. Don't just say, you know, I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm just going to go on this Facebook rant and talk about how these people are, they don't understand me. Or, you know, you tweet about your mom, you know, everything she said, that's uncool. Do not use a, a, a private situation to go on a public, you know, rant. That's just not cool. Don't use social media to unleash and get through your, 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 your frustration, all right? We need to learn is to prayerfully respond and not to react. As a leader, I'm learning to not react. I'm learning that anytime I react defensively, it diminishes my credibility as a leader. I'm learning that I can't, I cannot react to criticism, all right? And so there are times when we just pray, God, help me to know when to respond. Now, there's also times where we don't always respond to criticism. We just don't. There's some criticism that we just, we shake off, right? That we, I'm gonna be a duck today. The water's coming, it's gonna trickle off. I'm a duck, right? Criticism comes and we don't respond. But there are times where a simple explanation will bring understanding of some unjust criticism. Let me show you this in scripture in the book of Judges, chapter 12, verse one and two. Let me tell you what's happening. Gideon is here in the Bible and he's being criticized by a tribe a tribe of people called Ephraimites, okay? So the Ephraimites are criticizing Gideon because they didn't like what he was doing. And so let's read here in verse one. They ask Gideon, this is the Ephraimites, why have you treated us like this? And so they were so upset at some of the things that Gideon was doing. And so what did Gideon do? The verse says, and they, I'm sorry, let's say, what did they do? And they criticized him sharply. They were all up in Gideon's business. Then verse 2, what did he do? The Bible says that he, but he answered them. And so if you want to read through it, you can chapter 12 there, but I'm going to give you the summary of what was happening, okay? This is the summary of what was happening in that scripture. What's happening is they're all up and they're criticizing the Ephraimites, the tribe was criticizing Gideon for, unjust, for, for criticism. And, and, and so Gideon basically says, look, look, back off a little bit, okay? Back off. Let me explain. Are you eating better than you ever have before? Yes. Are you growing spiritually more than you ever have before? Yes. Are our enemies, the Midianites, are they being defeated? Do we have victory over our enemies? Well, Yes it's better than you have. What are you criticizing about? That's kind of what Gideon says. Let's read it together there. And so there he was. He gives his response. And when the men of Ephraim, what? Say it aloud. When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, the Bible says what? Help me out. They were, is it up there? No. The grapes of wrath is 
oh, it's Judges 8, 1 and 2, but he answered them, what have I accomplished? Okay, go to the next verse. Uh-huh. When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, the anger subsided. That's not the version I use, but that's okay. Say it again. The anger subsided. Yes, the anger subsided. You see, a spirit-led, directed response will defuse an unjust criticism. Let me say it again. A spirit-led response, not reaction, response will diffuse an unjust criticism. I'll give you an example of this. This week, Monday was Labor Day. Tuesday, I declared it bring your child to work day. I don't know if anybody else did that, but I had to work, and public schools were canceled this week, so I brought my kid to work today. I brought him to church. We had to work. I had some stuff to do, so I brought my kids uh, to church this week, and um, I pulled up really close to the door, and when I got out of the car, um, I had my backpack with everything that I normally do when I come to the office, and then I had another backpack, which I also carried today, which is full of the rain jackets because it might rain, and so and other stuff, so I had my front backpack with, so I had a backpack on my back, a backpack on my front, and I had the kids' leftover breakfast, which they didn't quite finish, right? And then I had on this hand the kids' lunch because we were going to be here all day, and then I had my coffee in this hand, and so I, I parked the car, I grabbed all the stuff, all right, you guys, let's go open the doors to them. I don't know how I did it. We do this. Dads and moms are, uh, you know, multi, open the doors to the, and I'm, all right, let's go. And so they're not coming. In case you don't know, Pastor Abdi likes to say things once, (laughs) but they didn't hear me, apparently. So I said it again, and they still didn't do anything. So I said it a third time. As you can tell, maybe you can't tell, when I have to say things more than once, get a little impatient, but I, you know, try to push that down, as you guys to pray for me last week, I don't know if you guys remember, but um, as I try to push that down a little bit, I had asked them three times, and they didn't move, which by the way, I'm learning as a parent, they're teaching me, as a leader, as a pastor, I have to say things more than once, <laughs> I just do, I have to say things because people forget, because people leak, because my kids forget, or they're not listening, I don't know, but anyways, I have to learn, anyways, so I, all right, let's go, nobody moves, so I just grab everything, and I start going to the door, and I'm parked right here, less than 50 feet away, and so I get to the door, and I have to open the door, my keys are in here, so I'm opening the door, and what happens, my oldest, AJ, he yells out a scream, no, and he falls out of the car, and he had his backpack on, because I still wanted him to do schoolwork, even though he had off that day, and then his breakfast that he was carrying in his hands spilled on the floor, and the blade blades, you guys don't know what that is, the toys, all over, spread all over the floor as well, and, and I'm like, what is going on, and I, I'm like, what are you doing, and he's like, you're abandoning me, I'm like, no, I'm not abandoning, I'm just trying to drop this, your stuff off, so I could go grab your stuff and help you get in the, I mean, that's what I'm doing, carrying your stuff, right, his breakfast, his lunch, his range, I'm carrying his stuff, anyways, so I'm like, no, I'm not abandoning you, bro, I'm just trying to grab this, I called him bro, not abandoning you, bro. I'm just trying to grab, you know, drop this stuff off so I could help you. He's like, I thought you were abandoning me. I'm like, no, I'm not abandoning you. I love you too. I've never abandoned you. But see, a little bit of explanation can bring some understanding and diffuse a critical response. You follow me, you guys? You follow, you're following where I'm going? And so, you know, something that he didn't understand, God may lead you to do that as well. Well, why do you teach your kids? Why do you educate your kids that way? You say, okay, I'm going to explain it to you. 
You want a little under, I'm going to explain, and maybe a little understand. Well, why, why, why do you still drive that old clunker? Okay, uh, I'm going to explain it to you. Well, Pastor Abdi, why do you always wear your shirt out? How come you never tuck it in? Okay, I'll explain it to you. It's because Pastor Abdi has a gut. I'm not quite at that six-pack. never was. And so <laughs> I wear my shirts baggy, just so you know, in case you were wondering. I've heard that. Criticism. But anyway, now you know. So what's your first prayer? God, help me to know what? When? Help me out. To respond to unjust criticism. Prayer number two is, God, help me to know when to dismiss invalid criticism. Help me know when to just shake this off. When it's time to be a duck and let the rain just fall off my back. When is it time to do that? Now, I will say this again. If you hear criticism by 12 or 15 people, then it probably isn't unjust criticism. If it's the same thing over and over again, it falls under the category I was mentioning a little earlier, which was what? Constructive criticism. So if you're hearing the same thing, but if you're hearing it from one person who's just being hypercritical and has never said anything positive to you since the 1970s, even though some of you have not been alive since then, but some of you haven't said anything positive, then it's probably something that you may not need to respond to, right? You might just dismiss it. In fact, this is what Jesus did, evidently in the book of Peter. You can read that, and I love how he does it. Peter describes what Jesus did, how he responded, um, and not responded, actually, dismissed it. Here we go, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. When they hurled insults at Jesus, are we, are we tracking? When they, yep. Uh, when they hurled insults at Jesus, who, who are they? The Pharisees, the Roman soldiers, right? When they criticized him over and over again, Jesus, he didn't retaliate. Watch. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him. Who's him? You guys help me out. Who's that? Yes, to him who judges justly. If you want to make a difference with your life, if you want to make any kind of impact, if you want to be a better worker, if you want to be that leader that you know you can be at work or at school, if you want to make a bigger impact for the kingdom of God, if you, if the more effective your ministry becomes, the more critics you will pick up along the way. It's just the nature of the beast. You will get criticized. And you just have to learn to dismiss it, to shake it off. The title of our talk today is called Rise Above It. Just have to rise above it. Now, I, I've had to search my own heart over and over again and, and ask myself, why, why do I take it so personally? Because I do. For years, I have been rocked over and over again by criticism. Why do we take it so personally? The reason why I will tell you, I will submit one of the reasons why, one of the major reasons why is because most of us, most of us in our lives, we are elevating the opinions of others above the opinion of God. We are elevating the opinions of others above the opinions of God. Well, well, I, I want them to like me. What, what do they like? Well, why don't they like me? If they only understood me, I wish they would like me. I would do, what? Listen, I, I'm learning. Not everybody's gonna like you. You can't please 
Everybody, you know how hard that is for me? I love for everybody to like me. I love for everybody to be pleased. But man, here's the good news. You can't please everybody, but you can please one. Who can you please? God. You can please God. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. And so when we get this in our heads, when we, can, when we can understand that I can't please everybody, but I can please God, it's gonna set us free from being a prisoner to the crowd, to the opinions of the crowd. And so today I'm asking us, I'm inviting us to rise above it. Instead of living for the crowd that we can't please, we can live for an audience of one, one who you can please. And you just, you're shaken free of the desire to have everybody like you. And so here's the problem. Here's the problem. If you're very sensitive to criticism, again, you are elevating the opinions of others above the opinion of who? God. But here's the problem. When we do that, guess what happens? We get so focused on the opinions of others that we lose the focus of how God thinks about us. That was really good. I'm going to say it again. Becoming obsessed with the opinions of others makes us lose, is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us. And so our prayer is, God, help me to rise. Help me to rise above it. And I'll just be real honest with you. These past three years that I've been here, it's gonna be three years officially next month, unofficially a little bit, it's been three years. The first two years, it was tough. I got criticized left and right, up and down. I got criticized. It was tough. I got criticized from everybody. People that were, man, what's, you know, I got, I heard things. People talking to me, talking about me. Well, what are you doing at this church? I got criticized. Your church is way too big for such a small, why do you have such a big church for such a small congregation? I don't get it. Well, well, what are you doing here? Why, well, you know, you, you, if you're a small church pastor, then you know what? You must not have enough faith. There must be something wrong with your leadership. There must be something wrong with you. Why, you know, and I've heard it, even people that used to come. Criticism, I've heard it. I got criticized left and right, up and down. And I'll tell you one thing, God gave me a real gift, and I have to share it with you guys. During one of those years, early years, I'd say it, it affected me big time. I'm talking about tears, all right, and I remember one of those early years, Maria and I had an anniversary, and we took a Sunday off, and we went to the Keys, and went to visit a vineyard church in the Keys, in Big Pine Key. Pastor Steve Laws went to visit his church on Sunday morning. That light just went off. That was interesting, um, and so we went to, I think it's that one right there, the strobe light. Okay, you knew that? Okay, um, so went to go visit him. Sorry, I have ADDs. So, Okay, so I went to visit him, and after the service, they prayed for us. They came up to us. He didn't know what was going on, but he came up. Him and his wife came up and prayed for us, and Alice, his wife, she said something to us. She goes, I pray, Marie and I were together, and she said, I pray that you guys would have thick skin and soft hearts. Thick skin, and, and let me tell you, I have lived by that almost daily, you guys, almost daily. When I get criticized, God, help me to love Help me to have a thick skin and a soft heart. Don't let my heart get bitter, resentful, have animosity towards someone because they just don't understand. They don't get the big picture. They don't understand what we're trying to accomplish. They don't understand I'm on a mission. See, I have to be like Nehemiah when he was criticized. He said, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. I can't listen to that noise. I gotta rise above it. 
I got another gift recently. Thank you. I got another gift recently when I was on a plane and I was getting criticized and I was by myself and I was looking out the window because I didn't want anybody to see the tears that were running down my face and I'm facing out the window and as the, the, the plane started to rise, I started to see how small the cars and the people and the buildings and my problems became. The higher I got to God, the smaller the criticism and all the negativity. And I was like, I get it, God, I get it. The closer I get, it was like he gave me this gift. The closer I get to God, the smaller the criticism I have to listen to. All right? And so we have to learn to rise, to rise, to rise above it. I remember I had a mentor of mine. He said, Avi, man, toughen up. You're going to get criticized. All right, Jesus got, if Jesus got criticized, you're going to get criticized. Toughen up. Take it. Don't retaliate. That's your calling. That's your calling. Someone criticizes you for making a difference. Man, I would rather, I would rather have a million critics criticizing, picking apart this ministry that's making a difference in this community, in this city, in this world, than doing nothing, have nobody criticize, okay? We just got to rise above it. Rise above it. And I think for far too long, I have allowed, and maybe you have allowed, the critics to paralyze us from doing what God has called us to do, from getting in the way from what God has called us to. And so I want to ask you today, who's with me today? Who's going to say, you know what, I'm going to rise above the critics. I'm going to rise above what other people say. Who's with me? Yeah, I got a few people. God, help us to know when to shake and dismiss invalid criticism. We are not living for the approval of men. We're living for the approval of who? Living for the approval of God. Rise above it. Rise above it. Rise above it. And the third prayer. Yes, let me finish up. The third prayer today that I want us to pray, and some of you know it's coming, but it's this one. God, help me to overcome my own critical nature. You knew that was coming, didn't you? Because every time I've spoken in this series, I've talked about you too. Help me to overcome my own critical nature. Because we are all what? At one point or another. We are all critical. We're all picky. We all, we are, but Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, and it says, some people make what kind of remarks? Would you guys say it aloud? Some people make what? <laughs> some people make what? Cutting. Cutting remarks. Some people just love to tear everybody down. They are hurtful with their words. They are piercing and sharp. Some people make Cutting remarks, but the words of the wise. What do they, what, what we, we don't want to be people who do cutting remarks. We want to be people who are wise. What do the words of the wise do? The words of the wise, what? It brings healing. I don't know about you, but for years and years, I was characterized by critical remarks. I would criticize other people. I would criticize other churches. Well, they're just not passionate enough. Well, they're not preaching. Nobody gets saved at their church. I would criticize. And you know, one of the things I'm learning is that God is asking me not to. God is saying, no, stop doing that. Stop being cutting. And I could pick apart anybody. 
Can you believe the way they spend their money? Look at that house he's driving. He calls himself a pastor. And look at that car he's driving, that house he has, right? Look how immodest they are. Look at the way that woman dresses. She dresses so immodestly. Every Sunday I'd be driving to church and I would pass a golf cart, a golf course, sorry. And I would be like, look at those people on Sunday morning playing golf. Look at them. And I'm going to church. And I'm like, y'all going to hell. I hope you have a good game. And I'm being hypercritical. Why? Because some of them could have gone to church on Saturday night, right? There are a lot of churches that have services. But no, you, you're not in church on Sunday morning. You're going to hell. And I felt like God was, was, was checking me. You know what? Let's stop talking about those people, right? And, I, you know, let's stop talking about for years. And, I, you know, I would, I would criticize. But I realized that the more critical I am, you know what it reveals? The weakness in my heart. The sin in my heart, the arrogance in my heart, and the smaller I really became. And so the smaller I felt, I wanted to cut anybody who was bigger down so I would criticize them, right? Look at them, we would tear them down. Why? Why, why should we stop criticizing? Because it represents ungodliness. It represents sin. It represents pride. It represents insecurities in my heart. And so when I rise above the criticism, the closer I get to God, the more I know who I am in Christ and the less I need to have to tear others down. I don't want to be characterized by cutting remarks. I want to love people up rather than tear people down. My words, that may they be wise words that bring what? Bring healing. I'm telling you right now, some of you, you've got totally jacked up relationships. Why? Because you're insecure, because you're full of pride, because you're full of sin, and you're tearing everybody else down around you. Listen, criticism never changes the world. You will not criticize your way to a better marriage. You won't. Cut it out. You will not criticize your children into being more godly. No, you love them up. You don't tear them down. I had to acknowledge that the reason I criticized other churches and other ministries was because of pride. Did you hear that? Pride, arrogance, insecurity. The closer I got to God, then, then I started to see I wanted to encourage and empower other churches. I want you to win. I want you to win. I want them to grow. I want, I want them instead of, I want good things to happen to them. I want them to reach people. I want them to, to, to experience transformation in their churches. Rather than nitpick everything, here's the deal. And you can, you can always find things to criticize. Isn't that true? All day long, you can always find something to criticize. And you can spew poison and venom because criticism, it never changes the world. Or you can find things to celebrate. That's what we do here. And nurture. And you can see some good in people. And you can see some good in ministries and in your workplace. And you can focus on the good and love people what? Up. Because if you just continue to criticize, all you're going to ever do is tear people down. And the world is not going to become a better place. All of us are nitpicky at one point and another. And so our prayer is, God, help me. Help me to overcome my own critical heart and love people up rather than tear them down. Would you bow your heads and let me pray with you today?
God, I pray that in your presence and by your power that we would recognize our own sinfulness. And God, that by the truth of your spirit that we would overcome this and become like your son, Jesus. I know there are those of you here today who deal with unjust criticism. A lot of us do. But I'm just gonna put that on the shelf for just a moment, okay? I'm gonna skip over that part and I'm gonna go right towards your heart. The reality is that for many of us, the problem is that we can be hypercritical. We find fault everywhere, all the time. It makes us feel better. It justifies our whatever, right? And it's just wrong. And today, if you're acknowledging that, that, that you've got your own, your overly critical nature, and you want God to change you, we're gonna take it before God in this moment. And we're gonna ask him for him to work, and then we're gonna watch as he does. And he'll start healing the relationships that we've allowed our criticism to destroy. Those of you who would say, you know what, I don't like it, but I've got to own it. That is me. It's me. I can be overly critical. And I want to take it before God today. And I want to ask him for forgiveness. And I want to ask him for his healing. If that's you today, would you just stand with me right now? Just stand with me all over this place see those people standing. God bless you. Thank you for a group of people that truly want to live for you and please you in every single way. God, I thank you for those who sincerely desire to be more like your son, Jesus. And God, we just confess our sin to you, our desire to be like, to, to be like you and determine what's right and what's wrong with everything and everyone in this world. And, and God, we repent of that. And God, we call, what, we call it what it is. It's pride. It's arrogance. It's an ugliness in my heart. It's born out of insecurity. And we pray, God, that we would, that just as we would rise above unjust criticism for others, that we would rise toward you. And we would know who we are in you and not feel the need to tear others down. But God, that we would love others up. And God, I pray for healing in relationships that have been damaged by critical hearts. God, I pray for restoration. I pray, God, that every time we are about to speak, maybe something that would not lift others up, that your Holy Spirit would convict us and we'd stop and we'd hold those words and we would be characterized by words of wisdom that bring healing and bring life, God. And as you keep praying today, there may be some of you who would say, you know what? Of all the critics in the world, I am my own worst critic. I look at my life and I criticize it. And see, one of the problem is uh, that the, the reason we often are so critical of ourselves is because we don't really know who we could be in Christ. In fact, there are those of you today that you're probably overly sensitive to criticism because you're living to please people. We all battle with this at one level or another. But as you look at your life, you may say, man, I'm all about pleasing people. Will they look at the way I'm dressed? Will they, you know, like the way I wear this? Would they like the car I'm driving? If I go to this kind of place, are they going to like me? If I educate my kids this way, are they going to like me? You know, what are they going to think of my kids? What are they going to think about what I say, you know, when they look at this house that I'm living in? Do they like my hair? Do they like this? You're going to recognize that you're really living for the approval of people. And let me just say it again. Becoming obsessed with the approval of what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. 
And some of you, you're gonna come to, to the hard realization that today, that you're all about pleasing people. And let me just say it this way. That's why you're here today. Because today, you're gonna overcome that bondage and you're gonna take a step of faith and say, it's not about pleasing people, but I wanna please God. I want to please God. And so here's the problem. We're all sinners. And our sin has separated us from a holy God. That's why God sent Jesus, his only son, who was without sin so that by his death and by his resurrection, all of us, when we call on Jesus, we, uh, we can have all of our sins forgiven. And the only way that we're ever gonna be made right with God is by the grace of God through his son, Jesus. And there are gonna be those of you who would say, you know what, I wanna overcome this need to please people. I wanna give my life wholly and completely to God through Jesus. I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to forgive me. Today's the day that I'm gonna step out of people pleasing. I wanna give my life wholly unto God. I I wanna live for an audience of one today. Jesus, would you save me? Jesus, would you make me new? Today I wanna give my life completely to you. If that's your prayer today, I'm just gonna simply ask you to raise your hands high with me right now. Just lift them up high all over this place. I see these hands on this side. God bless you. You guys can put them down. I see these hands here in the center. All these hands. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. You can put them down. I see these hands over here on this side. God bless you guys. You can put them down. Yes, God. We love you. We're gonna pray together. And I'm gonna invite everybody to pray with me this prayer. And pray it like you mean it. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Jesus, make me new. I believe that you died for me so I could live for you. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you always. Thank you for a new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. DV, would you celebrate with me? Would you get loud? Would you celebrate? 